Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1235 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Special shout out to Maggie and Taylor and the gang at Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell them what now sent you. Want to get to a quick text before we bring in uh, Louis DeBrusque. No, we'll wait on that text. Let's get Louie going right away because I think we already got hold of him. Louie, how you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you doing, bud? Well, you know, not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. It's good seeing you earlier today. And Dallas, uh, just the extras skated a bit. and Some guys that needed some extra work. Second of a back-to-back. Winners got to capitalize here. I mean, the, the, the hopes obviously are thin to make the playoffs. But first, uh, let's talk about that game and how much fun that was against Los Angeles the other night. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it looked like it was didn't start off in the greatest way for them getting scored against first, but then I think they really responded the way you'd like to see them respond, and that's that's the best thing is, um, you know, as Ken Hitchcock said, they went the territorial play and, and just started doing the right things. Um, you know, I, I find when this team really does buckle down and wants to play the right way, they're a really hard team to play against, and they have the elite skill to make you pay when they do get their opportunities, so... You know, it was nice to see some guys score some big points. I mean, a couple of hat tricks. You don't see that every day, that's for sure, which is pretty remarkable. And well, it's only know, been nine years, Louis. It's yeah. only been nine and, years since that happened in the entire league. So yeah, like so, and I think since '85 was it the Oilers? It was Curry and Coffee the last two to do it. So I mean, you don't get to see that every night. That's you know, you're witnessing history when something like that happens. And nice to see Nugent Hopkins get one in the first period. Who I think he's played really well, and he's really found that scoring touch this year. And then. Uh, for Dreisaitl, everyone knew that pass was coming over from McDavid, including should have been the goalie, but um, didn't really matter because uh, he's getting real good at burying those one-timers. Uh, I'm trying to think back. The year Doug Waite first got 100 points, was that 95-96 or 96-97? Was it the year guys missed? You missed a 95-96, then you made it 96-97, and then ultimately pulled off the uh, upset. 
over the Ken Hitchcock coached uh, Dallas Stars. Um, mm-hmm. I'll find that here in a second, but I'm going to ask you a bit because uh, you were obviously with the team. And uh, at 95-96, Doug Waite got 100 points. Uh, the Oilers missed the playoffs that year, so he's a 100-point scorer. And the Oilers, uh, Louis, could have two of those. But the next year, 96-97, you guys did make the playoffs with a record of uh, you had 36 wins and nine ties during the course of last season. Ron Lowe was the head coach. You had Primo, uh, uh, Dave Semenko, God rest his soul, and Bob McCammon as assistants. What do you remember the most about that playoff series that year against, uh, you got into 32 games in the regular season against the uh, Dallas Stars? Well, you know, I remember knowing that we were going up against a really, really good team. And, you know, they were just really starting to, it wasn't a surprise to me they won a Stanley Cup a few years later because they were a team that really was on the rise. And I just, you know, for me, I mean, I can't really, whenever I think of the Dallas Stars back then, they were a hard team to play against. They played a physical brand. They played a fast brand. I mean, Mike Madonna was maybe one of the best players I ever saw at controlling a puck. You know, that old uh, reunion ice surface wasn't the greatest ice surface in the world. And that puck used to get up on edge and bounce around and be all over the place. And he could be coming down the ice Mach 9 and still dangle through everybody. And it was his wrist shot. You know, he would let a wrister go just over the blue line that had to be 110 miles an hour. It was amazing how he could shoot it at top speed, you know, as hard as he could shoot it. But it was hard to take your eyes off of him. You know, and I think much like McDavid nowadays, talking to players from other teams, from broadcasters and people in the press box that cover the the media – um, myself included, you're focused on this kid a lot because he just he's just flying up the ice so fast. You just can't believe that he's doing things at the speed that he's doing it. So that's the thing that sticks out for me. I do know that, you know, we were obviously the underdogs going into the series, no question about that. But we had we had a pretty uh, a pretty good group of guys that with a little bit of confidence, you know, started to play some real passionate hockey. And it was, I just remember there being a lot of hits. I, I can't remember. I think it was. Yeah. You know, we would do video sessions before the game, and there would be hits and hits and hits, and it would you know just get us pumped up. But we knew we had to play that way in order to have any success at all to try and slow them down and make it a, a little bit more of a battle. And we uh, we got some timely scoring, and who can forget Todd Marchant's overtime goal? I mean, it was uh, just a great job by him to kind of little stumble on the blue line, and he was off to the races, and he and he and he made it count. And, um, nothing like scoring an overtime goal in Game Seven. Well, Cujo also obviously outplayed Andy Mogan in the course of that series. He was outstanding. You know, he was the reason we won the series. Really, when it really boils down, um, he was fantastic. And you have to have that, especially being the underdog. Um, some of the saves he made. Uh, I mean, that's going to haunt some of those Dallas Stars for the rest of their life because I don't think that. There's no way he should have made those saves. I mean, he was flopping around, scrambling, and he was just so dialed in. And um, yeah, he was he was unbelievable to watch, and just such a calm demeanor. You know, that was the amazing thing about Cujo is in the heat of the battle, he's 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 getting barraged by shots because let's face it, Dallas had some firepower. They could really put the puck in the net. They could move it around. Their power play was excellent. And you know what? Um, he just kind of would shut the door. We'd come in between periods, and it was so hot there in Dallas. I just remember that, too. It was just, I mean, guys were changing shirts. The fans were going. It was extremely hot in the building. But he would just kind of relax and had the same look on his face from the start of the game to the end of the game. And there's no question, when you have a goalie like that, 
It's amazing how it calms down the whole team. You look over down the down to the end of the room where goalies usually sit, and you'd see him sitting there, kind of a little smirk on his face. You say, "Okay, Cujo's good. We're good." You know, and any goalie I ever played with, you know, that had that demeanor. It's amazing how much of a calming presence that can be on the team. You know what I remember, and I can tie it into uh, tie it into what happened a couple of years ago. Is I was working in the Dallas truck, okay, uh, during that series at the games in Edmonton, and you, you guys were down three nothing with about five minutes left in game. Is that it? Would have been game four here, or was it game three? And then you had the ridiculous comeback against Dallas where you, you, Bucky ended up getting the big one there for you. I remember the big goal by Bucky. I don't remember what game it was, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, but, I mean, do you feel you're destined to win when you come, win a series when you come back like that from 3 nothing down against the team? Well, you know what? Um, it's almost disbelief. you know, and they, and they were a team that could lock it down, too. So, I mean, it wasn't like you're playing. I mean, that was the other thing about it is that it was – against a team that typically that wouldn't happen against. But it uh, just goes to show you in the playoffs anything can happen. I do remember that, though. I remember the goal that Bucky scored, and it was just like I remember sitting there going, wow, this is crazy. Like, and the place erupted. Yeah. I mean, it, that see, that was the other thing, too. When I – like, the, my initial um, memory from those playoffs and, you know, for me was stepping on the ice at home for, for the first game in the playoffs and – the hair in the back of my neck would go up because the fans were just, it, the building was full and it was, people were screaming and pounding the glass and it was, you couldn't hear yourself think out there. And it's just, a, it's just such a different feeling. It's unbelievable. And I know that the players here got to experience that at Rogers place, which is an outstanding atmosphere a couple of years ago in the playoffs. And for the first time for players to step in and feel that it was just remarkable. And just the, the goosebumps it gives you in, it just brings out a whole different level of play because you're just so fired up. You really are. Like you're just so excited every single second of every single period. You're just you're just going as hard as you can go. And but yeah, you know what? That was a big comeback. And that was the other thing too. Um, timely scoring. You know, you look at over the playoffs, and I mean, I remember thinking about. It, I don't, there were some guys that had big playoff series. I mean, the top players are the top players, but there was production from a lot of different guys in only around two rounds. You know, I mean, they 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 did a lot of good things. So. You have to have that as well, too. You know, you get a lot of scoring from down your depth that makes you a real tough team to play against. We're joined right now by Louis DeRuss, Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers now, 1244 in Edmonton. Of course, Louis, some would say the Oilers, you know, did, did the course and direction of the franchise change after blowing that 3 nothing lead in the final five minutes against the Anaheim Ducks? And, you know, they, Andre Sekra got hurt in that game, and lo and behold, here we are over the last 18 games with the Oilers having the same top 60 as they had in that playoff year. Really, for the first time, somewhat healthy for two years, and they're 10-5-3 and three in those 18 games where they've had those three pairings together, Louis. Well, it's everything. And, you know, Koskinen's 10-4-3 and three in, 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 you know, the games that he's played down the stretch here, too. Like, I, you know... I'll tell you what, he, um, he he's played some pretty sound hockey himself, but a healthy lineup is key, especially for Edmonton. I think that we've talked a lot over the course of this year the fact that they're, they're not the deepest of teams, so they need everybody on board, and they need to have everybody firing. But, you know, Ken Hitchcock talked about it today. He addressed it. You know, having Sekera back, it, it, for me, it's, it, it's even surprised me the impact that he's had. I'm going to be quite honest. You know, I didn't know if he was going to be able to come back. He suffered a couple of real severe injuries. 
but he's really solidified the defense core. And, 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 and like Hitch talked about today, he's kind of just settled people down. I talked about Curtis Joseph in the room. I think a guy like Sekera comes in, and he's got ice running through his veins. You know, he doesn't really panic. He just kind of goes out there and makes a play. You know, even when you're getting barraged by four checks and hits and chances against, you kind of just weather the storm. Great, um, you know, mentor, I think, for a guy like Matt Benning. You know, for Matt Benning to play alongside him and watch him, the way he kind of deals with the pressure, I think is going to be a real calming presence for him. And I think it's helped his play, for sure. And, you know, and then and then that allows you to, to kind of roll your three pairings over there on a little bit more consistent basis. It just provides that depth, and it's much harder for the opposition to play against. But, you know, no question being healthy has been a problem for this team. When they are healthy, they compete. And, you know, you look back, you can say what ifs. But, I mean, if you were to go back to the start of the year and say they were healthy all year long, I think we'd be talking a little bit differently about this team right now. I think they would be probably in a position, a lot better position than they are now. But that's the game of hockey, and unfortunately that happens to a lot of teams, and you have to learn to deal with that. And the better that you get as, as an organization, the deeper you get, you're allowed to weather those storms a little bit um, more gracefully. And that hasn't happened this year for Edmonton, and that's something they're going to have to address. Uh, we had a text, and not everybody liked talking about it, but we had a text of somebody saying, did you see the text about Ryan Strom leading the NHL? in uh, goal scoring by players traded during the course of the season. And I think we'd both agree the Oilers have been looking for a third-line center for the past 60 games. Now, you were a guy that thought Spooner would give the Oilers more than he gave them, weren't you, initially? No question. I thought he was going to give them a lot more. And I, I just I think he's really fallen off you know, the track, so to speak, uh, in his career. I got to see him a lot last year playing in Boston. They played with my son a lot, David Krejci on the line. I thought they were a dynamic trio. But uh, he just hasn't been able to find that. He's had a few chances here with different teams, and it just, it just doesn't seem to be working for him. And I couldn't put a finger on it, to be honest with you. I, uh, to me, it was work ethic. It was skating. It was confidence. It was everything. But... When it goes away, um, it's pretty hard to survive in this league, even a good player like uh, like Spooner. But, you know, Ryan Strom, listen, he struggled at the start of the year. There's no question. Uh, he, he, you know, he was having a hard start to this season. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, obviously he's gone and done some really good things, and you have to give him credit for that with the Rangers. You can't really take that away from him. He's, he's gone in there and he's played very well, and, Good on him. You know what? He's found his stride. We felt he was a good player when he came to Edmonton. He's had, he had good success when he was with the Islanders and, you know, tried to rekindle that. And as you have always said, he's a good guy in the room. People liked him. It just didn't work out. And sometimes you make a trade to try and spark some offense and find some offensive guys that can play with some skilled centermen that Edmonton had. And it didn't work. You know, when you look at it from Edmonton's perspective at the time, you have three potential really solid centermen, great centermen, and McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. If you can find some skilled, fast wingers to plug and play in there, a couple physical guys as well, then you then you become a very strong three-line team, which I think was always the game plan. Yeah. Now, it hasn't worked out that way. And it's still a problem, in my opinion. It's still a problem because you're playing Leon Dreisaitl on left wing with Connor McDavid and they're outstanding together. Always something you can fall back onto. But if you could get Leon to play on his own line, Connor to play on his own line, and Nugent Hopkins to play on his own line, and you have three formidable lines, I mean, then you become a team that's very, very hard to beat. 
and it just hasn't worked out that way. So, again, going back to the depth of this team, it's something they're going to have to work on. They're going to have to find guys that can plug and play and go into those positions, and that's not to say that you can't always shuffle it up and put Leon up with Connor or Nugent Hopkins up with Connor, and we've seen him have success there too. Good teams do that all the time. I mean, I can't you, – you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, the way they've done it, they were able to win back-to-back Stanley Cups because their center was really deep and they had wingers they could plug and play in different positions. And when they needed to, they would just pile it up on one line and, and, and go to town late in the game if they needed a goal. It's an excellent option for a coach to have. And I think ideally that's what they're looking for here in Edmonton. All right, Louie, you brought up Jake. And I'm going to bring up Jake in the context of Tyler Benson. Because your son, Jake, spent the entire 2016-17 season in Providence. He had 19 goals and 49 points in 74 games, then got into 17 games. Did not get a sniff with the Bruins, despite the fact that seemingly any uh, NCAA player that they were intrigued or interested in, uh, well, hey, we can get you a game in the NHL. Anyways, I digress. I hate that rule. Uh, But I bring up Jake Jake because I look at Tyler Benson. And Jake uh, was uh, started that year at 19, then turned 20 very early in the season in October. So he's basically his 20-year-old year. And for uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Tyler Benson, this is his 20-year-old year. Just turned 21 here last week. Uh, Benson's currently second in the American Hockey League in scoring. Uh, I know Ken Hitchcock and the staff have been impressed with his ability to uh, win board battles and make plays. Can you speak to Jake's full experience, that full year in the minors, and maybe draw a correlation for how it theoretically is the right way for Edmonton to handle Tyler Benson? Well, first and foremost, I know that Tyler's put in a real heavy summer of training, and it really showed. I got to see him at Perry Perns 3-on-3, which he skates in the summer, and, and I was really impressed with the strides that he had made, and he's worked really hard. I know Jake's trained with him a little bit over the last few years, too, and He suffered some severe injuries over the course of his career, and he's had to really come back from those. But this is a great year for Tyler Benson. I think this is just an excellent year for him in the sense that he's playing meaningful games. He's got a huge part in those games. He's getting a lot of ice time. Jay Woodcroft, I heard him on your show yesterday talk about him a little bit as well. And you know what? For his development, I think this is going to be outstanding. No question the year that my son played in Providence, the whole year grinding it out down there, it's a vicious schedule. You're playing against men for the first time, and you're figuring out how to be a pro and, and you know put your best foot forward each and every night. Even when you don't, might not feel 100%, you've got to kind of dial it in and, and play a sound hockey game. The fact he's having the success he's having, too, I think is is really important because this was a, a super highly offensive player coming into junior hockey. He was riddled with injuries throughout his junior career in Vancouver, so he never really got to get on track. This is kind of what we're seeing now as a player that this is what people projected he was going to be like. So good on him. The fact the Oilers have, have been able to be patient enough with him I think is impressive. Because let's face it, this is this is a year where typically he'd be getting an opportunity here. He'd, he'd be getting thrown into some games here, and I'm really actually surprised that he hasn't got some games. But um, but but that's not a big deal to me. I think this this year is going to be so important for his development that he's going to come into camp next year. And me, he might still get a couple games down the stretch. You know, they might reward him with a couple, whether they do or not. It doesn't matter to me because he's going to go into the offseason having his first year of full pro under his belt. He will be that much better next year coming into camp, and he will be vying for a position 
on the Oilers roster next year, I believe. I, I just think this is a real nice progression step for him. And um, the American Hockey League is a tough league. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it's even tougher to play down there than it is in the National Hockey League. I felt it that way. You know, I know I was a fourth liner, but it was scrambly. It was, you know, there was a lot more mistakes made in the game. Um, and, and sometimes that made it much more difficult, especially for some offensive guys to kind of get into a rhythm and, and click. But I like what I'm hearing in the sense that he, he's a hard worker. He comes to the rink to play every day. Um, board battles, which are essential in today's game. I mean, I don't think we talk about it enough, how essential it is to win those battles in all three zones, and especially in the defensive zone in order to get puck possession back and in the offensive zone to continue puck possession. It's it's vital in today's game. So I like hearing that he's really worked on that. And he's a strong kid. He always has been. So um, I think the ceiling is high for him. And to go in and have a rookie season the way he's playing right now, uh, I don't recall a player in the Oilers um, nope. system doing that in a long time, if ever. No. Nope. They got the – no, I mean, Marodi right now leads rookies in points per game, and Benson's tied for second. Benson's second in points, and he's played fewer games than uh, – than a player who's leading the way, so and he's like one point behind. He may end up leading the rookies in scoring. He might end up being the rookie of the year in the American Hockey League. Louis, great stuff. See you down here tonight, big man. Sounds good, bud. That's Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey on Rogers. It's 12:54 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Do want to mention? Oh yes, we do. This fall. Join the president of New West Travel, Dennis Laliberti, on an exclusive visit to Italy and Greece on a spectacular 16-day holiday. It starts with a nine-day tour of Italy. Visit the beautiful cities of Rome, Florence, and Venice with the daily guided tours. Then board NCL Cruise Lines for a spectacular seven-night Greek island cruise, including meals, nightly entertainment, private sunset dinner in gorgeous Santorini. Plus, parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. 50% sold out. Book now. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. Off to a global news, weather, traffic update with Cassandra Jodois. When we come back to kick off our number two, we'll drop the puck with Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian Burke and Dallas GM Jim Nill in a stacked second hour of Oilers Now. Up. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.